0: I've been looking forward to being with you when Pastor Miller called and asked me as chaplain to come and preach today because it's Senior Recognition Day, I was delighted. I hope you know your educational daughter, First Presbyterian Day School, is a wonder My six years there have flown. I scarcely believe I've been there that length of time. I work for a great boss, Greg Thompson. I work with great people, and I have the privilege of educating and equipping wonderful students to change the world for God's glory. And so I hope you will keep First Presbyterian Day School in your prayers. We appreciate you more than you know. Would you open your Bibles this morning to Ecclesiastes chapter 11? I want to read four verses. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I want to focus on the fourth verse, but I'm going to use the New Living Translation because I think it captures the point in a clearer way. Hear God's Word. Ecclesiastes eleven and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Let's pray. Father, too many of us are wind watchers and cloud observers, paralyzed with discouragement, easily downcast, daily in need, of a cheering word from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I pray that you'll take what I believe you have given me for today and write it on the hearts of my brothers and sisters, teaching us that whatever we face, we shall conquer through the help of Jesus. And his optimism, or his omnipotence, gives us reason for optimism. I pray in his name. Amen. Joseph Parker was an 18th century Preacher in London. Years ago, I read this comment. I read it one time and it was etched indelibly on my mind. Preach to broken hearts and you will never lack a congregation. There is a broken heart in every pew. Now, I believe that. But I believe something else. I believe that when you preach to discouraged hearts, you shall never lack a congregation because there is a discouraged heart in every pew. Matter of fact, the older I've gotten, the more convinced I have become that the primary weapon Satan uses against the people of God is the weapon of discouragement. And so I want to give you an antidote for discouragement. It's found in that fourth verse. Listen to the way the New Living Translation puts it. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Know what that's saying? Don't worry about the weather. But it's not talking about the natural weather. It's talking about living a life filled with anxiety, living a life Dominated by fear. Which is something we all face, isn't it? The cultural weather is bad. At least I think it's bad. The political weather, in so many ways, is bad. Storms are everywhere, and I... I think the storms may get worse. And then you add to that relationship bad weather and business bad weather. It becomes so easy to be blanketed with discouragement. And Scripture comes and it says, don't worry about the weather. What that means positively, I believe, is this. I believe it can be put... In the words of the the missionary Hudson Taylor, the founder of the China Inland Mission, Hudson Taylor's life motto was this, Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Amid, for believers, discouraging circumstances when the weather seems so bad. God says, don't worry about the weather. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Now, let's let's talk about that. Here's the first thing. Don't worry about the weather. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. The first thought I would seek to write on your mind the way Joseph Parker's thought was written on my mind is this. Refuse to be paralyzed by the never's. Did you catch it in the text? The farmer who waits for perfect weather will never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Two nevers. Don't let them paralyze you. What that means is this. You sit here as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ And Scripture gives you the assurance that through Jesus Christ, you can do all things. All things. Not some things. Not most things. All things. Jesus is ready and willing and able to help you handle whatever He allows to come into your life. My favorite verse in the Old Testament is 2 Chronicles 16.9. You perhaps are familiar with it. I'm a King James guy. If the King James was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. If they're going to use the King James in heaven, I'll quote it right now, okay? So hang with me here. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is right toward him. The eyes of the Lord, that's a a picture of Jesus' desire to help. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth. Did you, did you catch the verb there? They run. They don't crawl like an arthritic turtle sauntering across a highway. They don't stroll like a woman pushing a baby carriage. They don't even trot like a Clydesdale. They run. They sprint like a man into a, a house that's on fire with his three-year-old inside. We are told by Scripture that Jesus Christ is a very present help in trouble. You remember the story when Peter is walking on water. He's the only other man, as far as we know in history, who walked on water. He's doing wonderfully. Suddenly, he looks at the wind. He begins to sink. He cries, Lord, help me, I'm sinking. I wonder if anybody remembers the next word in the gospel. Immediately immediately Jesus reached forth his hand and lifted him up. Now that's the gospel. That's the truth that the one to whom we belong is a very present help in trouble. He may not give us the help we want. He may not give us the help we ask. I have found on numerous occasions him pulling the vehicle of my life over to the curb, putting his hand on the back seat, looking at me and saying, I'm driving, not you, hush. Hard lesson for a Cajun Presbyterian, take my word. But he will give you help that is sufficient to handle whatever you have to handle. Don't worry about the weather. And then, not only through Jesus are you able to handle whatever he allows in your life, Jesus is up to making you the very best thing he can possibly make you. And it is not wealthy. It is not the American dream that Jesus is interested in. It is the kingdom dream. And the kingdom dream is this, that he shall be the firstborn among many brethren. I asked my youngest son if I could use him as an example today. It cost me $25, but he said I could use him. His name is Nathan. I'm very proud of him. When you look at Nathan, you see Charlie. He looks like me. He talks like me. He walks like me. He can't complete a sentence without moving his hands. <laughs> it's the chase DNA. And Scripture says that in everything that Jesus allows, He is seeking to make us to Him what Nathan is to me. He is seeking to make each of us a mini me. He is seeking to make you. His spitting image. And everything that He allows, the good things and the bad things, the easy things and the difficult things, especially the difficult things, are His OR, where He performs the plastic surgery of molding and shaping us into His image. Why? Because He wants us to be great. Have you ever noticed in the Gospel accounts when the apostles, the disciples... Or arguing about greatness, Jesus doesn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. You can't find, He doesn't say, How dare you want to be great? He corrects their understanding of greatness because He wants us to be great. And He teaches us that greatness comes from being a servant, which means greatness comes from being like the great God. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The more I love the Lord my God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength, and the more I love my neighbor like myself, the more like Jesus I am, and the more like Jesus I am, the better things are for me. That's why heaven And the new heaven and the new earth are a place of perfect and permanent happiness because we will be perfectly and permanently like Jesus. Believe that. Because it's true. It's true. He is working to make you like him even with the worst weather that comes into your life. So don't worry about the weather. And then he wants you to live a life Characterized by joy and peace, he wants you to be like George Whitfield. Someone said of George Whitfield, Mr. Whitfield was so cheerful he tempted me to become a Christian. <laughs> How many temptations like that do you know? <laughs> but that's what we're to be. There's to be such a savor of Jesus Christ about us, such a beauty not. Not the kind of self-righteous smugness that puts other people down. But people are to see what they saw about Peter. We've been with Jesus. And that happens... When you understand that Jesus makes a grace pledge to you, wherever you are in your story, He will give you grace so you can give Him glory. That means when you get up in the morning, you ought to look at the day and say, this is a day in which I have the opportunity of experiencing Jesus Christ working in my life. And then you ought to go through the day turning to Him and saying, Lord, help. People ask me, Charlie, do you pray for parking places? Yeah. And then I finally learned the classic response I get, you think God's interested in something that small? Now let me give you some good theology. There ain't anything about you that's big. (laughs) Revelation, a heart attack, is no bigger than a parking place in the eyes of God. And he expects me to go through life, whether it's a parking place or a heart attack, saying, Lord Jesus... Let me experience what you are capable of doing right here, right now, in this situation, so I may give you glory. We talk at the day school about educating and equipping students to change the world for God's glory. I am convinced we, as followers of Jesus, will effect no change until the world can see that in us until they can see a triumphant, joyful, peaceful group of men and women who face every challenge assured. This may hurt, this may cause pain, this may not be what I want, but it is in the hands of the one whose hands bore nails for me, and it shall work for my good. But none of that happens unless you refuse the nevers. So many believers, I am convinced, I say this not as Satan's aid, I have no desire, no desire to become an accuser of the brethren, but so many of the true followers of Jesus Christ live Nazareth lives. Remember Nazareth, Jesus' hometown? Remember what Scripture says? He did not do many mighty works in Nazareth. And I wish it were rare to be around believers and say, tell me what Jesus is doing in your life now and not get a blank stare. Like, what are you talking about? I I sang kumbaya and gave my life to Jesus 20 years ago. Now, now, here, today. We ought to be able to say, he's with me. And I I see him working in and by and through me from the time I get up until the time I go to bed. And that'll happen if you refuse the nevers. So that leads us to the second thing. Don't worry about the weather. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Here's the second. What's the weather? What's the writer talking about when he he says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. This This is a proverb in a sense. What's the weather? You may be your own bad weather. A lot of Christians are. Charlie Brown, in one of his typical funks, and his version of Dr. Phil Lucy is counseling him. She looks at him and she says, Chuck... Life is like a cruise ship. Some people like their deck chair aft so they can see where they've been. Other people like their deck chair fore so they can see where they're going. Chuck, where do you like your deck chair? And Charlie grimaces and says, I can't even get my deck chair open. (laughs) And there are lots of people who never open their deck chair. They walk around, they got a little cloud on their head. And they are characterized by one statement. I can't. Let me engage in my best bedside manner and respond to that. How dare you say I can't? Now, don't misunderstand. You can't. No one ever expected you to. (laughs) But that's not the message of Scripture. The message of Scripture is not you must. The message of Scripture is Jesus can, and because Jesus can, you can. Everything that happens is an opportunity for us to embrace his willingness to work in a way that will take our breath away. Don't be your own bad weather. And then other people are off in bad weather. A few years back when we went into the Georgia High School Association, I had people say to me, I coach the girls' basketball team. I tell people, that means I'm a head coach. I'm a head coach because the buck stops me, I'm a head coach because I'm a psychology teacher, and you need a lot of psychology. I, I had someone say to me, several people say to me, the competition is going to be so much better. Yeah? I took Bonnie Scurry into stiff competition. She did quite well. I'm looking forward to taking Bailey Rubel into stiff competition. She's going to do quite well. But you notice there are people who every time there is a challenge, a mountain to climb, a river to swim, an obstacle to leap, they are telling you what you can't do. And if you allow them to keep you from doing what God wants you to do, you will never do anything for Jesus. Never. Doing something for Jesus is like shooting a free throw at the end of a championship game and you're on the road. And you're at the line and the ref places the ball in your hands and you get ready to shoot and everybody there is booing and doing everything he or she can to keep you from making that free throw. And what you've got to do is very simple. You've got to take a deep breath, you've got to trust Jesus, and you've got to shoot it. Don't let the naysayers get you down. They're everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And they're a drowning swimmer pulling Christian after Christian after Christian down. And then some people, the bad weather, the bad weather is made up of the problems they face. And they have an interesting knack. I know because it's my knack at times. If you only knew what I face, you wouldn't be talking to me that way. But Scripture says, There hath no temptation taken you, save that which is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able, but will with the temptation also provide the means of escape that you may be able to bear it." I never face anything that other people haven't faced and most most importantly of all I never face anything that Jesus hasn't faced isn't that what the writer of Hebrews says we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but who was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin listen now let us therefore draw near with boldness unto the throne of grace listen that we may obtain mercy And find grace to help in time of need. That's an awesome verse. Because it tells me whatever I face, the one who loved me and lived for me and died for me and rose for me and ascended for me and sits on the right hand of God for me has already gone through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Someone once asked the famous Catholic author G.K. Chesterton, what would you do if you knew Jesus was standing right behind you? And Chesterton sheepishly grinned and said, he is. (laughs) He's here. He's with me. I can handle problems." That leads to the third and the final thing, and that, that quite simply is this. What's the Christian way of handling the weather? L- listen again. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Don't worry about the weather. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. The Christian way of handling the weather involves two things. Here's the first. Consider the weather, but don't cower before it. Look at your problems, look at your difficulties, look at your hardships, look at your heartaches, and do not minimize them. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Face it, but don't cower. Stonewall Jackson said, never take counsel of your fears, and that's wise counsel. Abram was told by God he was going to have a child. There was bad weather. He was old. Sarah was old. He considered the problem, but he did not cower. David is about to go and face Goliath. Nine feet, whatever. Wish he were a girl and I could have him play basketball for me. Saul tells him, you're just a shepherd, he's a trained military man, how can you go and face him? David considers the problem, but he doesn't cower. The Son of God, I say with reverence, in Gethsemane, considers the agony of the cross, but does not cower Instead, he goes and he bears the brunt of the righteous indignation of God against us. You consider, but you don't cower, and then you take your eyes off of the problem and you place them on a person, the true and living God and his son, Jesus The calling to live a life of faith is the calling to live a life of optimism about Jesus Christ. Optimism that he is for us. Optimism that he is with us. Optimism that he has wrapped us in the bundle of his saving work. Optimism that nothing can separate us from his love. Optimism that he is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Optimism that with him nothing is impossible. The answer to everything that discourages any one of us is Jesus. So I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to get your bulletin out. Would you please? And I want to ask you to open it up to the affirmation of faith. And then I want to ask you to do something that's going to be very difficult for you as a Presbyterian Christian. I want to ask you for about three minutes to get out of the ranks of the chosen frozen. And to engage in audience participation. And I want one response from you when I ask, and simply yes. Okay? Ready? Will you look at the affirmation of faith? I'm just going to take you back through what you just did. Affirmation of faith. I believe that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father because of Christ the Son. You believe that? Don't worry about the weather. I trust God so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul and will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this sad world. You believe that? Then don't worry about the weather. God is able to do this because he is almighty God and desires to do this because he is my faithful father. Do you believe that? Then don't worry about the weather. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You believe that? And don't worry about the weather. Hail the day that Christ arose through the skies to worlds unknown. Glorious there he ever reigns, object of all heaven's praise. See him lift his hands above. See the scars of his great love. He has conquered death and sin, saving all who hope in him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The king of love is on his throne. Hallelujah, hallelujah. His grace will lead us safely home. You believe that? And don't worry about the weather. Though he dwells beyond the stars, his redeemed are on his heart. Even now he intercedes. Jesus cares for all our needs. Alleluia, we are redeemed. Alleluia, Jesus is king. Do you believe that? And don't worry about the weather. I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. You believe that? And don't worry about the weather. Now, Lord, I would be yours alone and live that all might see. The strength to follow your commands could never come from me. Oh, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose and let my song forever be. My only boast is you. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. You believe that? And don't worry about the weather. Father, teach us that what is for us is so infinitely superior to what is against us, that while we should never be naive, denying the reality or severity of our pains and problems, we also should never be conquered by them because we belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he has obligated himself To bring us to perfect and permanent happiness. And nothing can nor shall deter him. Because of Jesus, we don't need to worry about the weather. Give us grace to practice what we say we believe. In his name, amen.